i want to talk about the long-term consequences of victory in iraq. but before i do, i just want to say one word about the war i'm glad we won the war during the war i was one of the biggest advocates for making arguments about how we should use force to win that war as quickly as possible i was especially critical during the war of the so-called shock and awe strategy because i thought it was going to create us more problems than it was going to solve which proved to be the case it failed and we won this war in what amounts to a normal victory for the united states in the age of precision where air power and ground power together they work together like a hammer and anvil to overwhelm the enemy's army however although i'm glad we won this war i was not a supporter of the war in the first place i thought this was the wrong war and winning does not make it the right war my opposition to this war was not based on pacifism uh, i should just tell you that i've supported numerous american wars in the past including the 91 gulf war bosnia and afghanistan in 2001 there's plenty of the uses of force i have not supported as well but i have supported uses of force in the past rather my reason for not supporting this war is because i thought conquering iraq would reduce american security my thinking was roughly as follows saddam hussein does not have many weapons of mass destruction now was unlikely to get more and even if he did was very likely to be deterred from using them so far the facts have not made me change my mind on those points we haven't found many weapons of mass destruction and saddam if he had any did not use them as we conquered his country uh, which means deterrence worked in the toughest of tests but i also had another reason uh, for objecting to this war and it's really what i want to talk about tonight my main concern was not only that the war was unnecessary my main concern is that this was going to be a different war for the united states uh, and that the long-term consequences of this war were going to be different than wars we've fought up until now, certainly in the last 10 years. You see, Iraq is not just a war. It's America's first preventive war. Although the United States has fought wars to defend allies from imminent conventional attack or from ideological insurgencies and fought wars to stop states from harming American citizens or their own people. Until now, the United States has never conquered a country merely to stop it from gaining military capability. That is, I want to underline, until now. Although there have been numerous reasons offered uh, for why we've gone to this war, uh, the overwhelming logic given by the Bush administration is that we had to conquer Iraq to keep it from acquiring weapons of mass destruction, especially 
nuclear weapons. This is the most dominant theme in Cheney's original speech and in virtually every single speech by George Bush. Now, throughout history, states that have started preventive wars have paid a heavy price. In fact, major powers have often balanced against states that have started preventive wars. Right now, most people think this will not happen to the United States. Major powers have never balanced against the United States before, and the Bush administration is assuming that this trend will continue. The conventional wisdom, and I think this includes not only proponents of the war, but people who were opposed. I think the conventional wisdom is that Europe, Russia, China, Japan, and important regional states may grumble, but they will not stand in the way of American use of force and will quickly mend fences now that the United States has achieved victory and war is over. I think that Iraq is likely to be different. I believe that the most consequential effect of preventive war against Iraq is going to be a fundamental transformation in how major states react to American power. To be clear, I'm not arguing that Europe, Russia, China, Japan, and others are likely to respond with traditional hard balancing measures, such as military buildups, warfighting alliances, or transfers of technology to America's opponents, at least not in the short term. Rather, I think major powers are likely to adopt what might be called soft balancing measures, something I'll develop in a few minutes. Actions that do not directly challenge U.S. military preponderance, but that do delay, complicate, and increase the costs of using American power. Now, to see why Iraq is going to be a different sort of war, it's important to understand the reasons why states have generally not balanced against the United States in the past and why preventive war against Iraq will affect those reasons. Now, as John just told you, in international politics, one of the strongest regularities we know of is the tendency for states to balance against a strong power. Thus far, however, the United States has been a remarkable exception to this rule. Aside from the Soviet Union, major powers have not made serious efforts to balance against the United States throughout most of its history. Why not? Well, the reason can't be American weakness. The United States has been the strongest state on the planet throughout the 20th century and a sole superpower since the end of the Cold War. Nor is the reason American reluctance to use force. In the past decade, the United States has used force many times. Uh, including major war against Iraq in 91, Bosnia in 95, uh, Serbia in 99, and Afghanistan in 2001. Rather, the key reason, I think, that states have not balanced against the United States even during the last 10 years is America's unparalleled reputation for non-aggressive intentions. 
although the united states has fought numerous wars it has generally used its power to preserve the political order in major regions of the world we have a name for this strategy we call it offshore balancing and it has been the dominant american grand strategy throughout our history this is the strategy offshore balancing that called us to the defense of our European allies in World War I and World War II, of South Korea and Vietnam during the Cold War, and of Kuwait in 1991. In all these cases, the United States sought to prevent other powers from dominating important regions of the world rather than seeking to dominate those regions ourselves. As a result, America's offshore balancing strategy and our behavior effectively reassured major powers that America, even as a sole superpower, poses no threat to them. And the big thing that's happened over the last six months, and especially just in the last month, is we have jettisoned that strategy of offshore balancing for onshore conquest in a major way. As you've seen over the last six months, the Bush strategy to wage a unilateral preventive war against Iraq has changed America's long-enjoyed reputation for benign intent among the world's major powers. Major powers are increasingly suspicious of American ulterior motives. A phrase when echoed, when used uh, at the UN recently uh, by France's foreign minister evoked a rare round of applause at the UN. Why the applause? That's what we have to think about. Well, for one thing, America's war against Iraq violated one of the most important norms in international politics that democracies do not fight preventive wars. Over the last two centuries, no major democratic power has started a war to conquer a state simply for the purpose of keeping that state from acquiring military power. Britain never did, even at the height of its power, and until a month ago, nor had the United States. Worse, the United States is not only waging preventive war, but it's trying to legitimate it. For the past year and a half, the Bush administration has sought to legitimate preventive war as a normal tool in U.S. statecraft in speech after speech and in document after document. The Bush national security strategy released last fall vows has many parts, says many things, but I just want to remind you of one thing, that it vows, the word they use, to keep other states from, quote, surpassing or equaling the power of the United States. Now, in response to our talk and actions, other states are revising their image of America's purpose. After all, if the United States is willing to engage in one preventive war, it might be willing to engage in more, perhaps many more.
finally suspicion of american intentions is aggravated by the politics of oil conquering iraq puts the united states in a strategic position to control much of the persian gulf's vast oil reserves now many americans think the united states would never use oil as a political weapon and what i tell them and what i've said on radio shows what i tell them is notice the extent to which we already are. For months, the United States has been threatening to deny oil contracts from a liberated Iraq to French, Russian, and other companies if they did not cooperate with our military plans. And now that we've conquered Iraq and they didn't cooperate, there's no sign of the Bush administration changing their minds. So, in my view, the Bush strategy of preventive war is causing other states to face greater incentives to balance against American power. But how are they going to do it? I don't think France, Germany, Russia, and China are going to adopt traditional balancing measures such as military buildups, warfighting alliances, or transfers of military technology, at least not at any time soon. And the reason is simple. Traditional balancing with hard military power requires these states to confront American military power in a direct way. And this is just simply too risky, certainly at least until they can be sure that they won't be picked off one by one by the American superpower. Instead, I think you will see major powers increasingly adopt what I call soft balancing means, using international institutions, economic statecraft, and entangling diplomacy to limit the use of American power to wage preventive war. Indeed, over the last few months, United Nations arms inspections became a prime vehicle for the first manifestation of soft balancing against the United States. Diplomatic maneuvers at the UN delayed the American plan for war created and created diplomatic loopholes for Saudi Arabia and Turkey to avoid allying with the United States militarily, even when the United States desperately wanted to put forces in Turkey, desperately. Soft balancing did not stop the United States from conquering Iraq but it can have important long-term consequences for our security. Soft balancing has already encouraged millions of Europeans and hundreds of thousands of Americans to protest the legitimacy of the war against Iraq, and such protests have important consequences. In recent elections, German and even South Korean political leaders have already learned the simple lesson that anti-Americanism pays domestically. What this tells me is that even if the leaders of Britain and other members of the Coalition of the Willing can avoid a domestic backlash in the near term, they are unlikely to be willing to cooperate with future American military adventures. Second, soft balancing may become more ambitious in the future. Now that the war is over, Europe, Russia, and China 
may well press hard for the United Nations rather than the United States to oversee Iraqi oil contracts. And bargaining on this issue, although many just expected that after we won, we just easily control all the oil, has already begun, if you followed what's happened in the uh, UN Oil for Food program just in the last few days. Soft balancing, though, can escalate still further. I'll just point out one way. Today, Europeans buy their oil in dollars. This practice benefits the United States by creating extra demand for dollars as the world's oil currency. And this extra demand allows the United States to run larger trade and budget deficits without higher interest rates. But a coordinated decision by countries to buy oil in euros instead of dollars, which you can immediately see could be also advantageous for other reasons, would transfer much of this benefit to Europe and decrease America's gross national product by others. I'm not uh, an international economist, but I'm told by possibly as much as 1% a year. Finally, soft balancing could eventually evolve into hard balancing. The most immediate way would be if Russia accelerated transfer of nuclear technology to Iran and if Europe tacitly cooperated with this move by blocking steps by the United States to put economic pressure on Russia to stop. If major powers cooperate to transfer nuclear technology to an opponent of the United States, hard balancing would truly have begun. And of course, as John said, the world would be full of many, many more nuclear weapons for Al-Qaeda to try to get a handle on. Let me just end with one point. U.S. preventive war against Iraq is increasing incentives for major powers to balance against the United States. But balancing is not destiny. It is not foreordained that is our future. If the United States repudiates the Bush doctrine of preventive war and surrenders unilateral control over Iraq's oil contracts, then the optimists that states may not balance against us could yet be proven right. Thanks.